We're going to transition into a new Christmas series this month, and it is called Emmanuel, God with us, but it's really about Christmas presents, somehow shifting our focus from our concern with gifts and material things, Christmas presents, to Christmas presents. The fact that God dwells among us, that Jesus Christ came to this earth to have a relationship that we could walk in him and abide in him and enjoy him and just just experience the kingdom of God. And so really this idea, not original to us, comes from Matthew one twenty three when Mary was told this particular scripture, said, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus entered into humanity to be present amongst his people. And so I pray that you would know this. And so each Sunday in December, we'll look at a gift. And each gift is a God with us. Today, we're going to look at this gift, God with us, to save us. And each time we look at a gift, a purpose for which Jesus came, today we'll look at his salvation. And each and inside of each one of those is a gift that will help us remind us about Emmanuel, God with us. So I pray that you would hone in this month and that that would be our focus as we do, as Advent calls us to do, wait and prepare and be expectant, not just for remembering Jesus' birth, but the purpose for which he came so that we might know him, might experience salvation in him, and might one day join him again in glory. And so I want to read, uh, we're going to kind of bridge, if you will, our, our John text. Uh, we're going to continue in the Gospel of John as we look at this series for much of it. So I want to have you turn to John chapter 3. John three sixteen. it begins, probably the most famous verse in the scriptures. And I'll read through verse 21. This is what it says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in it is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. With that, let me pray for you. I ask that you pray a prayer that just says, God, would you speak to my heart today? Would you speak your word to my heart today? You pray silently. I'll pray for us collectively. Let's do that now. Father in heaven, we we pray that in this time together, we can focus around your word, your truth. Father, that we could understand the text, that we can understand why Jesus came, what this is all about. Father, maybe in a text that's very perhaps familiar to us, we could open our hearts and minds to learning something new about you. Father, being reminded of the purpose of Jesus' coming to this earth for salvation, for our salvation. So, Father, I pray that even as the word goes out today, that, that many would be saved, they'd experience the gift 
of salvation today. And we pray that you'd move amongst us by your spirit. And uh, Father, that we would apply these truths for life change. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus and all God's people said. So this is the time of year that we pretty much exist in since Black Friday and coming off of Cyber Monday and its week. We're very concerned as a culture with, with gifts. We think about if you're anything like us too, we just think about how we want to give gifts and, and who we have to get gifts for. And, and often, that's not necessarily a bad process, but we can become an overwhelming process and a process that can redirect our attention or direct our attention to things that it does not belong on in this season of Advent. And so as we are around presents all the time, we start thinking about and are maybe overwhelmed about who do I give this gift to and, and why do I give this gift? And if you're anything like me, sometimes I just want to shut it all down and say, like, we're just not giving gifts this year. And which people reply, Scrooge. That's just too... But think about this with me for a second. Think about why we give gifts to people. Think about why you give gifts. You see, Jesus was a gift to mankind. He was Christmas presence. He wasn't a present. He was about presence with his people. But why do we give gifts often? There's a couple reasons that you and I give gifts to other people. One of them is out of obligation. Many of us wouldn't admit that, but sometimes we give gifts because, you know what, they're my family, or I just have to. I'm expected to give a gift this time of year because it's just, I'm obligated to. And so our list gets really long because these are the people in my life that I have to just give a gift to. And I don't know if I really want to give a gift to them, but I'm just obligated to do that. Another reason we give a gift is to show appreciation or gratitude for someone, for either something they've done for us in the past or a way to just honor somebody. So maybe that's an attitude of your gift giving. You say, I really just give a gift to my pastor that I help at the church um, and I work in the office and I really just give a gift to him, a really nice gift. Where's Cindy? Is she paying attention? <laughs> you can give it. You're old, Cindy. You can give a gift though. Just uh, not old in age. She used to work here. Stop it. You're young. Yes. Maybe it's to show appreciation, to just be grateful but then there's this last reason that you give gifts. And I believe this is the only way that you should really give gifts is when you love to give that gift to that person. When you love and you care for someone enough that often, and it's not about the material, but you just want to express that. Not in a material way to buy anything from that person, but to give that because you know what? I love you. And that is the gift that God gave. And we have to know that as we come to this text. That is the kind of way God gave that gift. He did not give it out of obligation. He didn't have to. He didn't really give it out of appreciation because we didn't have anything about us that was worthy of that. He gave the gift because of his love. And present number one tells us for which the purpose that Jesus came. God with us to save us. Now, I said that each time I would pull out something that would help us remind us, and specifically this gift that God gave us was a gift of light. When Jesus came into humanity, he was a gift of light to us, to illuminate, to shine light to us in the darkness. The early part of the Gospel of John in chapter 1 talked about this. 
that he came as the light and life of all men. The life was the light of all men, that he came in with purpose to light, to illuminate, to expose darkness for what it really was. He was the gift of light. Now in Isaiah 9-2, it reads this, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. This is a prophetic statement or verse towards Jesus. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them, on them has shined a light. When Jesus showed up, he came as a light to people, to you and I, who lived in darkness, once who presently did not know him, if that was our state. And he came to bring us, to save us out of darkness. That is the purpose for which Jesus came. His gift was a gift of light. When Christ came as our Emmanuel, God was present now with his creation. He who was completely holy and perfect and radiant came to us who are darkened by sin and broken with shame and depressed with grief and utterly without hope. So he came as a gift of light to reveal, to illuminate, to point the way to the Father. Now, what's interesting about this text, it's still in red letters. Many of us, maybe you see John 3.16 as something about or that was said about Jesus. Jesus is speaking these words. He's telling people why he came. Jesus came as a gift of light. Now, when we get a gift, we usually want to describe it. When we get a good gift, we want to describe it to other people. So today I want to tell you three qualities about this gift of light as seen from this text. These three distinct qualities about the gift of light. And the one, the first one is the light of his love, we see. The second is the light of his grace. And the third is the light of his glory. Let's look at the text here in the light of his love. Verse 16, as I said, is probably the most famous, if you will, verse in the scriptures. Arguably, in the entire scriptures, John 3.16 is shown at stadiums across the world. People know this. If anybody knows a Bible verse, this is usually the one. And sometimes we just miss what a beautiful summary of the gospel this is. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. A beautiful summary of the gospel and an overwhelming look at the overwhelming depth of the love of God. And God's love here is seen both in depth and in scope. First, the depth. God loved the world. Let that settle in. His creation. He cares for it. And yet, because of sin, he could have just destroyed it. You have to think about that. God cares for his creation. He loves it. But because of sin, he could have just destroyed it. He could have just eliminated it. But he is good and he's loving. Remember that the next time that you question God's love and goodness. Really do. Maybe you have, many of you have questioned that, as even I have questioned that this last week. Remember that God loves his creation enough that he will go to the ultimate end, the extent for it, to save it. That's his grace and his mercy because he cares. It's our Father's world, amen? The first phrase in that verse could be read more like this. For this is how God loved his world. How? He gave his son, his most precious, only beloved son. Now, Genesis 22, one of my favorite 
accounts in the scriptures is, is a foreshadowing of, if you will, of Abraham sacrificing his one and only son being asked to do that, Isaac, on the altar. God, of course, stops him at the very last moment, but it's that action that we see this foreshadowing of what God will do. Abraham is asked to put his only son on the altar as an atonement, as a sacrifice. And so God has given us Jesus because of the depth of his love he has given us Christ as a sacrifice for us, not out of obligation, not out of gratitude for us, but out of love. And if the depth of love is measured by the value of this gift, then his love could simply not be greater than to give up his son. This is both seen in the incarnation the fact that he gave Jesus to a sinful, broken humanity, a perfectly holy God, to enter into the grossness of which they cannot be a part of, but somehow through this incarnation, Jesus is able to be divine and yet walk amongst this broken earth. And it's definitely seen in his crucifixion, the purpose for which he came, as read in our call or our scripture reading in Isaiah 53. God's will for his son. He could not love us more in the sense of this gift. So I ask a question just to pause. Do you know today how deep God's love is for you? Bank that. Do I know truly how deep God's love is for me? This gift is also shows us the scope of God's love. John's readers would have been familiar with God's special love for Israel. They would have known that he cared about his children and through years, centuries, Millennia of years, he cared for the children of Israel, even in their disobedience, but they were his children. And John's readers would have known this, but his love, as shown in Christ, goes beyond just the Jews, just the Israelites. It, it's indiscriminate. It was for everyone now. When Jesus entered into humanity, he said, all men can come to me. God's love is here for the world, which John sees as a fallen, organized in rebellion against God kind of world, but it's against the background of this wickedness of the world that God's love entered in and shined more brightly. Some of us often don't feel good enough for God's love or welcomed enough for God's love. Some of us have this attitude that God couldn't love me or doesn't love me, and we feel excluded somehow. But know today that God's love came both in depth the ultimate gift, and in scope for everyone. And he loves you, and he welcomes you. That's the first quality of this light. The second is this, the light of his grace. When the gospel is talked about, it is often talked about as a free gift. That's how we explain it to people. You can't do anything to earn it. We, we explain it that way because we want to guard against any kind of human achievement, merit, or effort that would cause the gospel to be Anything that we could do, we say, this is all from God. It's free. He gives it to us because he's loving, but he also does it out of grace. That's what it is. You don't deserve it. It's a gift. And it's often talked about how this gift is either rejected or received. But let me ask these questions. Who would reject such an offer? Why would they? But who would receive? You would think everybody, but why? Would they? These are questions that can only be answered by the light of grace. Reception of this gift is really pointing back to verse 14, and we covered it last week. It simply requires belief. John 
or Jesus, as he was talking to Nicodemus, he referenced verse, verse 14, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. He said, those in the Old Testament, when Moses lifted up the bronze serpent, that's how they were saved. And it said, all you need to do is believe, to look there if you truly want to be saved. But what is, what is belief, really? We say that the only thing that you can do, you can't do anything in a good work way. The only thing that you need is faith. But what is truly believing? The people of old, when they looked at the serpent, they looked because they were desperate in need of salvation. For us today, there's no different. If we truly have faith, we know we're desperate for saving. Lots of people believe, after all. But when one understands the light of grace... They first understand their own sin that is exposed to them through the light. It's about acknowledgement that we are caught in the depth and destruction and death of sin, and we need saving. We need rescue. Generally, people in this world as cultural Christians, if you will, they want salvation, the gift, but they don't want the presence of God in their life. Because if they had the presence of God, that would expose all of the sin. They don't really need to be saved from that. They can go on their merry way. What they want is just a free pass. They want a gift of salvation, but they don't want to experience the presence of Christ and the light. And yet when we recognize our need for saving, we need mercy. And then really in that text, it says all you have to do is look. But that looking is not a desperate manipulation without gratitude. It is a humble, grateful, remorseful repentance that would cause anyone to look in that day at the serpent or to look at the cross and say, God is with us because God wants to save me. And I first must recognize my own sin. And the gift's reward is said in this text as eternal life. But without that kind of illumination of grace, those who do not know Christ do not receive a different consequence. Listen to this. Because of the rejection of the gift, they simply receive the consequence they were already due before the gift arrived. Let me explain. Look at verse 17. It says this, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Why God sent his Son? Why, Emmanuel? He sent us to save us. God God with us to save us, not to condemn. And you need to know this. Jesus says it more clearly than you could say anything. It's important to know that God did not send Jesus for the purpose of condemning. He sent him to save. But maybe today your view is Jesus came to show us how bad we are. He didn't. He came to show us how, show us how good he was and how much he loved and now I've often said when I say this here that we're terrible people, that we, I, I say that phrase, it's not to show us how bad we are. It's to exalt Christ in the fact that in spite of our sin, it exalts Christ and his grace and goodness that God would do this. It's a perspective shift. Many of us feel like Jesus entered into humanity to just judge everybody. He didn't. That was already the case. We'll see that in this text in a second. He came to save. Look at verse 18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. That's the positive, if you will, the reward from that. But whoever does not believe 
is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Many believe against the gift of the gospel that we exist in this, a neutral humanity. What do I mean by that? Many believe that when Christ comes into the picture here, you either reject or receive, and it's neutral. You could go either way, and based on that, then you have an outcome or consequence. There is no such thing as a neutral humanity. Christ did not enter a neutral humanity. When the text says that we were condemned already, it means humanity was already under a death sentence because of sin. And so there was no, like, this, if I don't believe, then this. Verse 18 says, you're already condemned. There's no neutral. That's our state because of sin. And everyone needs saving. Not, the, not just those who accept. Everyone needs saving. People didn't just choose to either be condemned or to be saved. There was only one outcome because of God's grace and revelation of Jesus Christ, because of him coming down to earth, leaving his throne in heaven to come and redeem his people, we can experience salvation that leads to eternal life. And that's the only way. Listen to this beautiful text. If you feel like God doesn't love you, if you feel like he didn't demonstrate that enough, in Romans 5, 6 through 10, for while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's not neutral. We were condemned. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies... We were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. Christ did not enter a neutral humanity. He entered a humanity that was condemned. And he came into it with the light of his grace. John points us towards the truth of Christ coming in verse 19. This is the judgment, it says. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness That's natural to people in sin that they love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. It is natural for us as sinful creatures to love the darkness. That is one who is under condemnation, who desires only the nature of the flesh, who only desires carnal fleshly things, worldly things. And and John uses this light and darkness example again. People love darkness rather than light. Why? Because light exposes, right? People don't want to be exposed. You and I don't want our sin to be exposed. We want to do wicked things, secret things. And it says in verse 20, the language gets stronger. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his work should be exposed. There is a reason we don't like light because it exposes Just look in a mirror, a bright mirror in the bathroom that shows your faces all its imperfections. Sometimes we don't like that. And it shows everything. And when Christ came into the world, he showed everything. And we don't like our hearts to be exposed. And you and I sit here today even likely with secret things in our lives that we don't want people to know about. We don't want light to come into that space and expose that. When light comes in, it does what only light can do and will do. It will expose that. Because Jesus coming into our world shows the transparency of God with us. I think of this even just in recent news. 
And many of you have probably heard this on the news, this Matt Lauer stuff, amongst many others. But when you look at a guy like Matt Lauer, who many of us have watched on the Today Show, when you look at him on his Olympic commentary, you go, man, that's just not my picture of that guy, that he would do wicked things like that. Because he looks like a good guy. Jesus didn't enter into a neutral humanity with good guys. He entered into a wicked humanity. And guys like Matt Lauer and guys and gals like us need to know something from this lesson in the media in the last week. Private sin will always be exposed by truth. Private sin will always become public at some point by light. Christ simply and truth simply sheds light on all of it. And when you look at him, when you look towards Jesus, when you have faith and do in verse 14, as the people of old looked at the serpent and you do as today requires to look at the cross, you do it by faith and you do it in a way that says, I'm going to allow his light to permeate through everything in my being to expose me for who I am, not neutral, but condemned and sinful, to expose all the wretchedness of my heart. No secret why many don't want this to happen. What will he find? What will others see? And I say these things because they're real. And many of you sit here and say, I don't want everybody in this room to know who I am. To me, that just elevates the goodness and love of God. Do you know that he came to save that? In light of all that stuff that you don't want anyone to know about, he came to expose that and to redeem you from that? In that transparency, do you know Christ wants to be light to you? That his gift of the light of grace, that he took punishment and condemnation off and away for the sins that he exposed and exposes in your life, sins against God, sins against other, and he says, look upon me. Truly, look upon me in a way that you say, I want this to be exposed because I want to be rid of it. I want the sin to be gone in my life and until you let the light of Jesus and the light of his grace overwhelm you with that, you're not there yet. The person of faith says, I want you to just see me for what I am and because of who I am, that's why you had to die this way. And that ought to just exalt and magnify the love of God and the grace of God and we ought to worship Christ and exalt Christ and that he sees everything about our wickedness and still offers to be with us, to save us, to offer us life by the light of his grace. The light of his love, the light of his grace, and finally I can describe this gift of light as the light of his glory. It says in verse 21 this, but whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. But to the one whom Christ has called, he has called to good works, doing what is true. Why did God redeem us and show us his grace? It's for his glory. It's always been about his glory. Our good works, your good works, those things that you polish up, those things that you really try hard and, and work out of, even the ones that, that, that maybe you would a lot in this spiritual fruit bin and maybe some, well, that's mixed with me a little bit. They're all for God glory, God's glory. When you do the work that God has called, all of that point to God and should point to God. Some of it doesn't. That's the sin and pride in our hearts, but it should point to God, not to us. We are saved 
to display God, not us. We're, we're saved, we're redeemed, not to say, look at what God did in me for me. Look what God did in me because of him. Friends, our lives ought to display the glory of God. When you have been given the gift of the, the light of love, when you know that love, when you have been given the light of grace, when you know that grace, you will live a life for God's glory. And so let me ask you this. What are you going to do with this gift of light? Are you going to live it brightly for God's glory? Let me ask you this question. Just this week, how much in your last week, just go back to my last week, whatever that looked like, have you lived for yourself in this last week? In all your pursuits, in all your pursuits of whether it would be overwhelming of gifts and being just consumed by that, if it was work and being consumed by that, if it was anxiety over something and being consumed by that, how much have you lived for yourself just this last week? And then a, maybe a different question, how much have you thought about displaying the work of God in your life? And if your answer to that first question was selfish, let me ask why. Why have you been so wrapped up in yourself? What don't you understand? And maybe I can help you today. What don't you understand? Is God's love not good enough for you? Is his grace not enough? Is his glory not enough? You see, when I come to this text, two questions help me understand and refocus my life when I look at this particular text, and it's just the obvious questions, these two. What did we get saved from? That's what I want to see when I look at this text. And what did we get saved for? Those are so simple, and yet we make things so complex over that. We have been saved from an eternity of punishment and hopelessness. You think you're struggling now? Many of us go through life, and we think this suffering, this struggle, which is real, but it's perspective. If you know Christ, that, that has been taken for eternity. We have hope. So what ought we then, because of that hope, return to the Lord? A life of gratitude for the gift, a life of investment with this gift God has given? Am I going to invest my life in the kingdom for his glory? Or, or am I going to maybe, in that selfish way over the last week, invest my life in the kingdom of this world? I was encouraged this week by Psalm 27.1. It was a great encouragement in my soul. It said, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I have to be honest. This last week, I asked this question again. As Josiah went in for a very simple procedure, and he struggled that night, cried for like 10 hours, and it was miserable. And I'm not making that dramatic. I'm telling you what God was doing or what I was doing in my soul, what I was reflecting on. It was like, God, how does this really help me? Why does this have to happen for a little boy who cannot communicate what's going on? We don't know. And he struggles through the week. How is this better for my family? How is this better for the, the season that we're entering? And how is this good for anybody and I thought about how awful and frustrating this is and continues to be. And that was me with real raw emotion. We went in for a simple thing. 
Why does this have to be the outcome? And then I thought about how precious he is to Carrie and I, to our family, and to think about the pain that he goes through and endures, and that even at times risk or fear the risk of losing him. And I asked God, why? Why does this have to happen? But in these moments, I'm challenged with all that I believe. And that's not overdramatic. That's real. I'm challenged with all that I believe as if God is saying, do you think this is all there is? Do you think this moment of struggle is all there is? If we have the gift of Christ, the gift of light, what do we have to fear? Certainly not death. Certainly not pain. As children of God, we should not be fearing death or the things of this world. We should not be pursuing darkness or the things of this world. We should not be living for ourselves and the things of this world. And God kind of reshapes our perspective in these moments. And I truly believe that when we are seeing truly, clearly, the light, the gift of God's light, what God has done in showing us by his love By his grace, we release our grip on all the things that are precious to us in this world when we see clearly what God has done. And I wonder if you would respond to God in that way today. I wonder if you would just ask God for light today, responding in a way that says, I want to know this light of love. I want to know your love. Show me or remind me today. I want to know your grace, your light of grace. I want to celebrate that today, and that's what we're going to do around this table. So show me so I can praise you and be thankful. Ask God to change your perspective and say this, I want to live for your glory. I want people to not see me. I want you to expose me and glorify yourself through me with works that only display you. I want my light to be your light in me. Help me to show others clearly who you are through my life. Would you respond to God in that way? Will you celebrate the gift of light with me this Christmas as we look forward and anticipate that God is with us to save us, that he loves us, that he is gracious to us, and that we can live for his glory? I want to pray for us as we transition. The servers can come forward for our time at the table this morning. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, we pray that you would change our attitude and perspective. God, you changed mine this week and are changing mine. In many ways, I still want to hold on to things of this world and things of of fear by not losing things of this world. And God, you are the light of our salvation. You are our stronghold. Whom shall we fear? Father, when you gave the gift of Jesus, you gave the gift of love and grace and goodness for your glory. And I pray that we would see that no matter what we're walking through, that we would respond to those things. Maybe there's some in here that don't feel loved. Father, you tell us in your word that you love. You love this world enough to send your only son. Maybe there's some in this world who are desperate for grace in this room right now who need your grace. We all do, Father. I pray that they would know how good this gift is. 
And Father, that we would live our lives impacting this world, others for your glory, not our own. So Father, even challenge our hearts, and maybe this is a time of confession for many of us who have been living selfish, who need a perspective change, that we might worship you through this time. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to leave you with these words from 1 Peter. In chapter 2, verses 9 through 10, it says this, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Church, we've been given a gift. Go and live this out for God's glory. Go in peace.